Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's Reefer Madness, the podcast. With Trevor and Kirk. Kirk, we're back. So, what you been doing? What have I been doing? Well, we went to Southern Manitoba and traveled around Southern Manitoba in a van. I, I hear I hear that van has a name. It does, Van Hoot. Yeah, we call it Van Hoot. Um, hashtag Van Hoot, and it's coffee colored, and it's a 1983 GMC Rally. It's got it's basically it's basically a queen size bed with four tires. Well, that's all you need in life, I think. <laughs> Yeah, no, we, um, Michelle and I wanted to find a van to camp in, and that's what we got. So we went down to southern, uh, southern Manitoba last week and checked out, uh, Saint Jean Baptiste, uh, Altona. Altona is a beautiful, beautiful city, mate. Uh, went to Steinbeck, uh, Morden Winkler, uh, Melita, La Liviere. Uh, sat by his, we took our van and sat down by the river and had a couple beers and camped out. It was a good time. No, it's a nice part of the province. Um, honestly, a majority of those towns I've been in and around, but only in winter while driving kids to and from hockey games. So I, I'm sure it's much nicer in the summer. Well, Manitoba has some large, large farms and some very flat, flat country and some very French communities. So, and very conservative. Very, very conservative community. Well, and so it was a good time. And in the area you were in, there's also a lot of uh, low German-speaking Mennonite communities. So we've got Manitoba's yes. a relatively diverse place. Yes. So I got to do that. Um, and uh, now this this conversation we have today, uh, I'm bringing you another cannabis story. Okay. Um, this is. Uh, this is Peg City Hippie. This is a young woman, a 34-year-old woman, uh, Brittany from uh, Winnipeg. Um, I follow her on social media, and she has long COVID. Now, a um, uh, couple little disclaimers here. Um, I contacted her and asked her for a story about um, long COVID. And the story turned out to be a little bigger than just long COVID. She's got uh, several comorbidities that she deals with and cannabis helps her um but i've taken uh probably a 30 minute discussion trevor and i've i've, I've made it into um i think probably about 15 minutes and i've done that on purpose because the the thesis of this story of this episode was to talk to her about long covid so um she is a 34 year old woman um who was uh who was working um, frontline essential care at a at a grocery store? Um, did a few shifts, and <laughs> this is again. This is about August in in twenty twenty. Uh, so, yeah. So this we're talking about the second wave is coming, and people people weren't always following the protocols, and the government opened up the province, and she went to work, and she got herself. COVID. So she tells us this story. So 
before we get into her story, maybe we should talk a little bit about what long COVID is. Sure. Now, other disclaimer, Kirk and I healthcare professionals, yes. Are either and I, Kirk or I, infectious disease experts who are really, really good at COVID? No. So we'll talk in generalities and any infectious disease doc out there wants to say you guys are full of hooey, please tell us and we will absolutely add the corrections. So uh, COVID-19 started by the SARS-CoV-2 virus. It gets in you, causes an infection the first week or so. It's a virus doing its, its thing, it's replicating. Second week or so, your body starts attacking it. And then third week or so, you're getting better most people, most of the time, or way worse. And that's, you know, the people who end up in ICU and unfortunately dying, more or less. The long COVID, and it's called by a bunch of names. So I've most recently heard it as long COVID and long haulers. Uh, Kirk read a couple other things in more, more official names, but it's what happens after that, after the three-ish weeks. And you don't have to be real sick. Like, yes, you can have long COVID if you ended up in ICU and back out in the community. But some people who had mild or even no symptoms weeks to months later can have this long COVID symptoms. And my understanding is we're still trying to figure out all of the where's, why's and how's of what's going on with it. Yeah, I um I know about long COVID because you and I share a passion with Twiv, uh, a po another podcast that talks about long haulers, long COVID. I know that way back, uh, probably I think the earliest I remember hearing the term long hauler or long COVID was probably last summer, twenty twenty. Um, and I mean, I I have been working, I've been working COVID. I've um. I've done, what have I done? I've done immunizations, I've done screening, I've done, I've done contact tracing, I've done care, I've gone into COVID zones, zoned up in the suit. I was gonna say, I've, so I've, I've seen pictures of you in a suit going in and out of a, yeah. we'll call it isolation area. Yeah, yeah, so I, I've been working, I've been working frontline COVID in, in remote communities, um, well, since March last year. But for this episode, I, I started doing some searching because uh, Brittany, um, Peg City Hippie, um, she, considers herself, uh, she considers herself a um, Hippie 2.0, which hippie I thought was... Hippie 2.0, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was quite cool because she, cause she's into social media um, and I consider myself a hippie wannabe. Um, I'm of the age maybe about five years too soon, but... Uh, uh, anyways, um, so as I was starting to do my research on this, you know, and, and trying to prepare to talk to you about it, the literature doesn't really refer to long COVID or long haulers. I have found names like post-acute COVID-19 neurological syndrome. I have found post-COVID-19 syndrome, post-COVID-19 condition, post COVID intensive care syndrome. Um, and the definition that I have found uh, by one of the authors, and I'm sorry, I didn't quote the name of the author here, uh, but essentially it says, um, defining long COVID is not recovering for several weeks or months following the start of symptoms that were suggestive of COVID, whether you were tested or not. And during the conversation I had with Brittany, she had some difficulties 
with her testing. Um, and she, she gets into that a little bit about her second test did not necessarily come out um, as positive. So I think it was a, a false negative for her because she doesn't think that the testing went down deep enough. Now, I've, I have swabbed people for COVID. You, you, have, tickled, you, you have, have tickled a few brains? You have to get down deep and you have to leave it in there. We're counting, I think, one of my practitioners was counting for 12 seconds. I think I was counting for 15 and you give it a little twice. So it's not, it's not a comfortable thing. Um, but long COVID is essentially, you have these symptoms for a long time. Um, now, I think it was probably an October or November TWIB episode where they were talking about uh, spring break and the kids were all going down south in Florida but spring break happens in March, but maybe it was March this year. And they were all going down and the kids were, this was early COVID. God, it seems like it all blends it, it into all one. It all kind of merges. But yeah, when the 20 somethings were all trying to get it, right? Because they figured they'll get it and they'll get over it and go forward. Well, what they discovered is some of those young kids were getting long haulers and they were sick for quite a while. So this is not a disease you want to go out there and, and, and catch to get better. I mean, it's like, what was it, a meme I saw on social media? You don't go out and try to purposely catch polio. No. Right. So, so, so anyways, this, this, this young lady caught, caught, um, caught COVID while being a frontline worker, essential worker, uh, working in environments that were not safe and got long COVID. So maybe we'll just listen to her story a little bit and come out of it at the yeah, end. Let's listen to Thanks City Hippie. Okay. Um, my name is Brittany. I'm uh, 34, born, raised Winnipeg. Um, I got a job in uh, August at, uh, as a cashier. And um, after four shifts for a grand total of 25 hours, I ended up catching COVID. And uh, um, yeah, uh, I ended up quitting the job because they wanted me to work while sick and even before I got my COVID test. And um it was about three weeks for the initial illness. Um, I ended up, uh, like it just started super easy. Like I didn't even know I was sick at first. It was just, I woke up with like a headache and sore, like my body was really sore and I just figured, oh, I'm just back to work. So I'm just sore. And um, yeah, no, it wasn't until the second day when I started getting uh, pressure in my sinuses and stuff. And then a heavy chest after five days and eventually it progressed to pneumonia and my doctor was uh i was in communication with my with my doctor calling her back and uh yeah yeah um uh after like three weeks i started to get better for about two three days and then i got worse and i've never gotten better and it's been about like almost 10 months now wow so 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 this is august 2020 so the pandemic had started in march so what were you doing from march to august what was your attitude towards covid then well i i was terrified to get it because i i have asthma that i got from sewer gas poisoning and like so like i i didn't want to get it but i didn't qualify for any financial assistance like none of the servant stuff because I was looking for a job before the pandemic started. And 
So they didn't count anyone like that. And so basically by the time August rolled around and Pallister put out that uh, ready, safe, grow thing, uh, I basically felt like I had to get a job. I, I couldn't like stay in very long. So I figured I'd just uh, get a job, bank a few hours before the next uh, wave. And yeah, no, um, my workplace was so unsafe that just, I didn't even last long. So this is after the first wave and the second wave already started? It would have been right before the second wave. It was right at the end of August, beginning of September when I got sick. So everyone had this false sense of security, I guess, at that time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so so you were you were working in a essential service, frontline worker, a cashier, and uh, so were people wearing masks? Were people? Um, I would say one in five wore a mask. Um, in four shifts, I had to constantly remind. Like the only thing we were doing was when people came in, we would have them clean their hands with hand sanitizer, but there was no mask requirement. There was no cleaning the anything really and yeah all right so august rolls around now i was reading a little bit about your blog um when the symptoms started happening you went and had a swab done yes yes um this was my uh, second swab that i had had done uh the first one i had done probably back in may when they started opening it up for asymptomatic just to see if i'd had it and that one i definitely had felt the swab going very far up and you know the brain tingle the one that I had in in the end of August, it was, I am 100% sure it was a false positive and even my doc or a false negative. And my, even my doctor agrees because it felt different than like, it didn't really go in far. It, she didn't move it around either, like the scrape and stuff. And I ended up having to test done um, like two months later so that my dad could, go to work or something like that or what six weeks later something like that and that one felt like the first one too so i know that second one and that was after yeah it it, it did uh, i know it was a false negative okay so isn't that interesting so then okay so then you catch the symptoms you see your doctor how were you diagnosed with covid then because the swab the third swab took place you said how how long afterwards three months probably like two months after okay. it's um by a basis of ruling every other thing out i got uh she tested me for influenza for mono um she could hear the pneumonia i lost my smell and taste a hundred percent there it is honestly like okay like symptom wise the pneumonia and uh the heart palpitations and all that stuff is worse and the brain fog but losing my sense of smell and taste was psychologically the worst. Right. And and the third test, did it come back as negative? Uh, negative. But by right, then, okay. you're not even going to, like, the likelihood of even testing positive is so slim. They really need right. to get you in those three to five days. Okay, so you are, you are, you are diagnosed as COVID. Uh, you said you had a period of time there where you're starting to feel well again. And then what happened? The symptoms just came back with a vengeance um uh i was having i was still having a hard time breathing um heart palpitations whenever i stand up and walk around um the headache is <laughs> i wore sunglasses for like the first six seven weeks like 
it it is and it's not even like pounding as much as like pressure and if i was touching my face I, it would be painful and i had times where half my face goes numb like just the the left side and yeah there's just so many multitude of symptoms it just every day it's like spin the wheel you don't know what you're going to get today and even throughout the pr progress of the day it gets better or worse okay and have they drawn any blood have they seen found any antibodies oh, yeah or? they did cultures that showed that i was like uh like the, my immune system's fighting something interesting uh, you know what we skipped on is <clears throat> pig city hippie is your moniker what is yeah, Peg yeah. City? What is Peg City Hippie? Uh, it's just a, it's just like my Instagram channel and stuff, and okay, it's uh, just a nickname of mine that, I yeah. But you got a hat. You're wearing a hat though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. was that a was that a birthday gift? Uh, no, I got uh, um, a guy online designed it for me. It's got the uh, Winnipeg skyline in it. Okay. Okay. Oh, let's have a look. Let's let's have a closer look. That's very cool. Yeah, I uh, I always consider myself a, a hippie 2.0. Peace, love, good vibes, but like I use social media. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, 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 fair enough. Fair enough. So tell me a little bit about how you're using cannabis then. Like you obviously were a cannabis user before you got COVID. Oh, absolutely. I'm an yeah. advocate. I Cannabis gave me my life back. I, In I what way? I had a lot of health problems when I was younger, epilepsy since I was 15. I tried multiple medications and it was never under control. Um, I have a slip disc, uh, spondylolithesis in the L5 S1 with bilateral pars defect. Okay. I've had that most of my life. And so I found cannabis helps with pain management because all they do is throw opioids at you. And I didn't like the, the, the feeling of oxy and stuff. So, uh, I use cannabis for that and uh, epilepsy. It's the only thing that's ever worked on reducing my seizures. Like I went three years without a single seizure for, and that's, and most times I was only getting to like my previous record was like 11 months. Wow. Okay. So like, this is a story I didn't know I had here. Let's talk a little bit about that. Um, so you have epilepsy. You must've been on some anti-seizure medication at some point. And when did you develop epilepsy? Uh, I, I had my first seizure at 14. I was diagnosed at 15. They said it was something on my left side of my brain. Yeah. I had gotten a lot of concussions from, uh, from just school and stuff. And eventually, I guess, just the multitude of concussions led to me developing epilepsy. Okay. Um, it was never under control. We tried multiple medications and it just didn't work. I did that spending like a, a week in the hospital hooked up to everything and they still couldn't get a control of it. And so finally I just, you know, I, I had started smoking weed when I was working night shift as to help me sleep. And I noticed that I was actually feeling better and having a reduce in symptoms and less seizures. And so I just started using it more and started doing my own research and then I found a CBD oil and yeah, I've only had like four, five seizures in the last six, seven years. And that is beyond the records for me because I was doing multiple a year. Are these, are these, um, grand mall or focal? 
Vocal? Or um, grand yeah, grand malls, and um, I completely pass out for it, and and you okay? Yeah. And 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 are you are you uh, working with a physician on these dosings? Uh, no. Like my doctor's cool with me using cannabis. She's uh she continue she's uh prescribed me so that I can have my ACMPR. Yes. So my garden <laughs> died when I got sick. Okay. I haven't even restarted it. But uh, yeah, so she supports me and um, I have a, a therapist that I talk to all the time and uh, I've educated him and he he's really looked into that as well for uh, other like he has other patients. And so, yeah, I got doctor support. OK. And are they prescribing you dosings or are you taking care of that yourself? I'm doing that myself. I know more okay. than they do about cannabis. I'm educating them a lot of the time. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Okay, that's interesting. And you know that there are cannabis doctors out there, right? You know that there are yeah. doctors specific. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so wow, that's uh, that's amazing. So epilepsy and now the long hauling. Uh, how does cannabis help you? How do you um, balance the the long hauling and the epilepsy and I guess pain management? So cannabis is doing a lot for you here. It's what keeps me going. It also Cannabis is also great for depression. Um, you know, it can help your mood and stuff. It uh, There's so many things that I use it for. Um, I no longer have any problem. Well, until long hauling started, um, I didn't have any problems with IBS anymore for years. And I've been suffering since I was three years old with that. Um, yeah, that's why I'm such a huge advocate for it, because it is it gave me my life back. And so yeah. with long COVID, it's more just maintaining what I was going for before. And yeah, okay. I don't think it's had any major effect just as though it was like the same effect it was having before. Okay. Did, did you did you have to adjust your medication, your dosing at all? Um, I can't smoke flour anymore. It makes me cough just way too much. My lungs can't handle it. I mostly just smoke concentrate, specifically live resin all the time, because live resin, the terpenes and the they're just so much more better and the it's concentrated. So I don't have to smoke nearly as much as I would if I was using just flour. But I'll use tinctures and I have really um pain creams and stuff, cannabis, CBD, THC pain creams, so edibles. Yeah, I just can't smoke flour anymore right now. And is this? And you say you have a garden. So are these? You grow your own plants. Have you found your own strain that works best for you? I have some favorites of mine. Uh, Jack Herer uh, uh, is a great one. Kona Gold. Um, I would love to get my hands on Charlotte's Web. That was the one that was created for that little girl Charlotte who had really bad uncontrolled seizures. Passed away last year. But yeah, Charlotte's Web, that strain, I would love to get some of that. Okay, and then when you grow your own and then you have your own press and you're making your own resins, your own tinctures, are you making that? Uh, I got a friend who uh, makes, uh, who's way better at all that than me. Okay. I mostly, uh, I grow the flowers just like for my own smoking and uh, yeah, for rosin too. Okay, and that, now that your lungs can't take the flower, your plan is to get your garden going, I imagine. Definitely get it going again. So, Kirk, like you were saying at the onset, uh, Peg City Hippie has 
what we call lots of comorbidities, lots of other medical conditions going on. So whether that made her more or less susceptible for long COVID, I don't know, and I'm not sure anybody does, but um, there's a lot going on and she's using cannabis to treat a lot of it. So it's just, um, she's a very interesting person and medically because of all the other things going on, it's interesting that, um, again, I'm the last person to say cannabis is a wonder drug for everything all the time because, you know, certainly isn't. But it's interesting how many things that she's personally using cannabis to to treat. Yeah, and I and I kind of purposely um, edited some of that conversation out of the because again I wanted to focus on the long hauling. But she does bring other comorbidities to the to the issue. But and she was a user of cannabis before the long hauling. Um, but what I kind of like about this story is that she um, she finds it helps, and she mentioned at the end there she finds it helps with her depression you know it helps pass time and and we know this from experience the cannabis you can pass a lot of time you know uh high and and it can kiss <laughs> shocking yeah well, one of the things shocking. one of the things i liked and i'm going to go on a little digression and so play arm armchair researcher through twivs and but actually really came out in hers is she talked about so the neurological parts of long COVID. And um, it, when I put another hat on, I'm a volunteer with the MS Society. And it just, and MS, multiple sclerosis MS is a, another neurological condition. And one of the hallmarks of MS, you know, not everybody all the time, but um, are neurological symptoms that come and go. Like one day you can't feel your hand and the next day it comes back one day one eye might not work and then it comes back. Like it's not quite day to day, you know, flare ups could be over months, but it was just the fact her talking about, you know, tingling that went away and came back, smell that went away and came back. Um, actually, I'm not even sure by the end of it if her taste and smell had come back. She's talking about how troubling that was, but it's just, it's interesting to me. And this is just completely talking out, out my ear how similar some of the symptoms of long COVID are to multiple sclerosis. I'm not saying that means there's any necessarily link between the two, but it's, it, to me, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, she raised, I mean, as a nurse listening to her story, there's a few things that pop out. Um, one was fact checking. I, um, some of the, some of the uh, she, made, she made a couple comments about the World Health Organization that I, I went looking at. The World Health Organization uses uh, post-COVID syndrome, uh, I believe, as a, long, as a definition for long COVID. The public, uh, the chief public health officer of Canada, uh, Theresa Tam, and the Public uh, Health Agency of Canada, they have, and, and it's funny because um, this interview happened, I think, in June I had with her. And July 7th, uh, I think my reference says July 7th, the Public Health Agency of Canada came out with a statement uh, about, um, about post-COVID-19 syndrome. And they basically say that um, 
uh, initial findings from a living systematic review led by the Public Health Agency of Canada on post-COVID conditions indicates that most laboratory-confirmed COVID-19 patients continue to experience one or more symptoms within four to 12 weeks. So 83% of the people with COVID have symptoms afterwards. And beyond 12 weeks, 56 people. Most prevalent symptoms in both uh, the short term, which is four to 12 weeks, and the long term, the 12 weeks after diagnosis periods, is fatigue, general pain, discomfort, sleep disorders, shortness of breath, anxiety, or depression. Although the um, substantial proportion of individuals reported a variety of symptoms occurring four or more weeks after COVID diagnosis due to low certain in the evidence, further research is needed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but essentially, um, what else did they say? A collaboration in Canadian uh, held a one-day virtual expert panel. They called it Best Brains Exam. So Adelphi, they did Adelphi uh, on, uh, and we, we laugh at Delphi because it was in one of our other episodes with the Delphi tapering opiates. So they're doing Delphi on this as well, the public health agency. So um, I think in Peg City Hippie's defense here, the, the Canadian health agencies are starting to recognize it and start talking about it. But she raised some issues about chronic illness. If, if people with post-COVID conditions and syndromes, long COVID, if it persists, I mean, it's going to affect people's ability to work. So long-term disability, it's going to affect income. Oh, yeah. Um, and, it's a huge, and it's a huge. And unfortunately, huge. there's going to be lots of people like Peg City Hippie who are otherwise young, healthy people, yet kind of in the prime of their lives, prime of their, their employment, prime of their, you know, salary-making years who could be waylaid for weeks to months to, honestly, we probably don't know how long this might go in some people. So well, it's going to be a significant burden to society. Well, and this is what you said. I mean, off mic a couple minutes ago, you said that it really isn't a, a public health issue. It's more of a, of a chronic condition. But yet, you know, chronic conditions, if people aren't, if people aren't viable and they can't contribute, it becomes a public health issue uh, for wages and, and, you know, min income and all those issues. So, um, once again, I think I think we learned from our listeners, um, and I want to thank Brittany for for allowing us to tell her story. Uh, I hope she's happy with how we presented it, um, and I wish her all the luck in the world. And she sh and we'll, um, we'll have to catch up with her in a, in in episode two hundred, I guess. <laughs> yes, Brittany here is wishing you really well, but that segues nicely into. We thought this was going to be a My Cannabis story, it ended up being a whole episode, and that happens. But if you've got a story about cannabis, it doesn't have to be, I love cannabis, you know, we're cannapositive, but that's just us. We're more than happy to talk about, I, I hate cannabis because, you know, I don't think there's many people out there who I'm completely indifferent to cannabis, but if you've got, and I am a completely indifferent to cannabis story, we want to hear that too. So if you have a My Cannabis story about why you like it, why you hate it, anything in between. Uh, record it on the voice memo on your phone and then email it to us. All the information's on our, our website at www.reefermed.ca. Uh, you can email it to reefermedness at gmail.com. Um, yes, we, we love to hear the My Cannabis stories. 
We'll keep it completely anonymous if you wish. And more importantly, the listeners love hearing the My Cannabis stories. They want to hear how it's affecting other people out there. I'm Kirk Nyquist. I'm the nurse at Reefer Madness, the podcast. I'm Trevor Schufeld. I'm the pharmacist. Thanks for listening. Uh, come back. We've got lots more great stuff coming. Right on, guys. That was another good one. It's uh, Renee here back at the studio. And um, as we usually do, we play a song at the end, um, sometimes requested by our guest. And Brittany had uh, suggested that she wouldn't mind hearing something by J.D. Edwards. So the song we're going to play is Back to You. And Reefer Madness, the podcast, would like to recognize that we are recorded on Treaty 2 land, just as a a point of note. And um, all right, here we go. Like the show? Let us know. We're Reefer Madness on Instagram and Facebook, at Reefer Madness on Twitter, or head over to the website at ReeferMed.ca to find out what we're all about and what's coming up next. Talk to you later. I'm a thousand miles from where I want to be tonight. Oh, listen, honey, hold your picture to
Thank you very much. Um, any final words? Uh, thank you for spreading information on this. Uh, yeah. Any, like, even, I, that's all the, that's the whole reason I'm doing this and it makes it worth it to share my story. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.